0: Well, good morning, everyone. I hope you are doing well this morning. My name is Pastor Ryan Mowen. I'm the Senior Pastor here at Church of the Atonement. And we'd like to thank you for joining us for worship. Hello to all of our Church of the Atonement uh, family and uh, friends of Church of the Atonement. Also, hello to all first-time guests. We'd like to welcome you. Um, we're so glad you're joining us virtually for worship this morning. Um, if this is your first time, I do have a request. If you would not mind uh, just giving us a comment... Um, if you're on Facebook, or shooting us an email at info at org and letting us know that you tuned in this week, uh, that this is your first time. We'd love to look through and see if there's a way that we can get in contact with you and welcome you to our fellowship. Uh, We are privileged to have you with us this morning, and uh, we hope that you'll be blessed by our service as we worship the Lord together. Um, I'm going to be honest with everyone there. This week was the week where quarantine... Has started to hit me. Not that I was quarantined, per se, for the 14 days, but just the stay-at-home order situation that we're in. Um, the days started blending together. I started forgetting if it was Tuesday or Wednesday or Friday, and uh, then when I was getting ready to put the date on the slide this morning, I couldn't remember what day it was. Uh, even the date was blurring in my mind. And so, um, I don't know if you're feeling the same way, that things are just really uh, melding together and uh, you're being maybe filled with a feeling of of being disoriented. That's the way that I'm feeling uh, right now. And so I think as I come and uh, join with you at this moment to gather in worship, it's a good opportunity and a great opportunity for us to gather together and reorient ourselves for what we're about to do through uh, approaching God in prayer and asking for his help. To remember that today is the Lord's day and it is a day that we can greatly rejoice and be thankful and be nourished and strengthened for our walk of faith even in this time. So let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for gathering us as your people this morning. We thank you for giving us an opportunity to reorient ourselves, to come out of the chaos of our everyday lives as uh, exasperating and exhausting and confusing and frustrating and even boring as it might be from day to day and to come to a moment where we pause on a day where we reflect and remember that you are still King you're still ruling and reigning nothing is out of your control and we ask for your help father help us to have our minds focused on your truth Help us to come before your word with hearts that are ready to receive uh, this word as it is sown in us so that we might bear fruit for your kingdom. Bring the new life that you promise into our hearts. We ask this all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who intercedes for us even now. Amen. At this time, Pastor Terrence is going to orient us to the worship of the Lord by our call
1: to worship. Good morning, good morning, Church of the Atonement, brothers and sisters, friends, we've gathered this morning over even the internet to worship. Hear now the call to praise, exalt, and adore the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit from Psalm 99. The Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He sits enthroned upon the cherubim. Let the earth quake. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted over all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy, holy is he. The king in his might loves justice. You have established equity. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt the Lord our God. Worship at his footstool. Holy is he. Church, lift up. Lift up the name of God today. Let us sing together, Thine is the glory.
2: The folded grave close where thy body lay. Thine is the glory, risen conquering Son. and last is the victory thou o'er death hast won. Lord Jesus meets us risen from the tomb. Lovingly he greets us, scatters fear and gloom. Let his church with gladness hymns of triumph sing. For her Lord now liveth, death hath lost its sting. Thine is the glory bring a sign and less is the More than conquerors through thy deathless love. Bring us safe through Jordan with thy power and love. Thine is the glory, risen conquering sun. A love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness. The kindness of a savior. The hope of glory of the risen king the savior he can move the mountains my god is mighty to save he is mighty to save
1: amen amen we come now to our time of confession let us bow before God Almighty as he invites us to come in to confess our sins to him let's pray together oh our living God we bless you that we see the worst of our heart as well as its best that we can sorrow for those sins, those shortcomings that carry us away from you, that it is your deep and your dear mercy, Father, to threaten punishment so that we may return and pray and live. Our sin is to look on our faults and to be discouraged. It's to look on our good and be puffed up. Father, we fall short of your glory every single day by spending hours without profit by thinking that the things we do are good when they are not done to your glory, nor do they spring from the rules of your word. Our sin is to fear what will never be. We forget to submit to your will, and we fail. We fail to be quiet there. The Holy Scripture teaches us that your, your active will reveals a steadfast purpose on our behalf, and this brings peace to our souls, causes us to love you. Father, keep us always in the understanding that your saints mourn more for sin than do others. For when we see how great is your wrath against sin, how Christ's death alone atones for that wrath that makes us mourn all the more. Help us, Father, to see that although we are in the wilderness, it's not all briars and barrenness. Father, we have the bread you've supplied from heaven, streams from the rock, light by day and fire by night, your dwelling place and, O God, your your precious mercy seat. We are sometimes discouraged by the way. And though winding and trying, it is safe and short. Death sometimes dismays us, but our great high priest stands in its waters and will open a passage for us. Beyond, beyond is the better country. Father, while we live, let our life be exemplary through Christ and when we die when you call us into glory may our end be sweet peace we pray this in Christ's name amen the Spirit of God gives us assurance that our sins are forgiven and we get that this morning from Micah chapter 7 verses 18 to 19 who is a God like you pardoning iniquity Passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance. God does not retain his anger forever. That's good news. Because God delights in steadfast love. God will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. O Lord, you will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Hallelujah. And we thank God for his assurance of pardon. I do want to take a moment and thank you for how you've continued to sow into the kingdom of God through your tithes and your offering. And we invite you at this time to give online or to write out your check and put it in the mail. Um, We thank God that God has continued to provide. Hallelujah. And now as you uh, give your tithes and your offering, let's worship also as we hear, All I have is Christ.
2: I once was lost in darkest night, yet thought I knew the way, the sin that promised joy in life, had led me to the grave, I had no I ran my hellbound race in different.
0: Are now at uh, the time in our, in our uh, service where we have our children's message. And I need to just grab some things for the children's message. So bear with me here. I have with me a big stack of things that we read. Now, you may uh, recognize some of these things. This is the complete tales of Beatrix Potter. So this is a storybook. All right. I have here a card that I received with a personal note inside of it from one of our, uh, one of our church family members here. I, let's see, what else do I have up here? I have a very important encyclopedia of the Muppets. Uh, it's very important when you got to look up important things, uh, find it in the encyclopedia. I have a math book from when I was in college. I was able to find, I still had a math book hanging around. You know, you read all of these things and you learn different types of information. I found uh, a Church of the Atonement directory. This is kind of like, sometimes you'll hear people talk about a phone book. This one is from 1985, that's before a lot of people maybe watching this may have been born. Also, a lot of people have been born before 1985. So all these are different types of things that we read and we read all of these things And we get information, but different kinds of information from all of these things, you know? We read a storybook so that we can learn stories and hear uh, about different things that happen. We read the encyclopedia to learn information about certain things. We read a math book to learn math. We read a card to get encouragement or to uh, have uh, some sympathy shared to us or with us by somebody. And did you know that our Bibles actually have lots of different types of writing in them as well. In our Bibles, there are stories. In our Bibles, there are histories. In our Bibles, there are things that are kind of like encyclopedias where you can reference things. There are poems, and there are even letters. In fact, the Bible, a uh, book of the Bible that we are studying right now In our sermon time is a letter. And it's so cool that God used a letter written by the Apostle Peter to encourage his people. God used a letter written by the Apostle Peter, told Peter to write this letter to these churches up in the area of Turkey so that they could be encouraged, so that they could grow even in the midst of this hard time that they're in. And God is still using a letter to speak to his church even now. When we read 1 Peter, he still speaks to us, and we are encouraged by these words. And so it got me thinking that if uh, God's word and the letters that he writes to us through the apostles even a long, long, long time ago are an encouragement to us, it's also true that we could probably write some letters and encourage some folks maybe in our own church family. And so this week, we actually sent out through our children's, uh, our children's ministry an invitation to the families of our church if they would like to be a, a part of a, a little mission project that we're trying to execute, where we want to send letters from our kids to some folks in our church that need some encouragement in this time. And So we sent a letter out and 14 families have responded, consisting of 22 kids, which is awesome. and so we've identified some folks in our church that we think really could use a note of encouragement or a letter. And so if you're one of those families, we want you to take some time today, maybe during the sermon or this week, and uh, start drawing a picture or writing a note to remind the person that you're writing to that they are loved by God and that they are on our hearts that we're thinking of them and praying for them and I think that will be an amazing encouragement to them and if you did not see an invitation for this but you'd like to be a part of this and you're one of the kids listening this morning we'd like to let you know that you can send an email to children at atonementlife.org and we will try to get you uh, lined up with another uh, family that needs to get one of these important letters I just think it's so important in times like these when people are feeling very alone and very sad and maybe very worried to know that their church family is praying for them and thinking of them. And you guys, no matter how old you are, even you can be a big encouragement to folks in our church. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for how you speak to us through your word, how you use all kinds of different books and, and types of writing to teach us, about who you are and about who we are. And, Father, we thank you that we can even use our gifts, the ways that we can write, to send a word of encouragement to our church family. We pray that you would help us to do this and pray that you would help us to learn from your word even today as we come before it. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well... We are in uh, week two of our new sermon series looking at 1 Peter uh, chapter 1 and we're just looking at verses 1 through 12. The sermon series is called Hope in the Midst of Hardship. And I do want to mention that uh, even though we're taking this uh, passage and we're just taking it a few verses at a time, we're still only getting some of the great encouragement that is packed in here. There's still more time that we could spend uh, studying these verses. And the reason that I mention this is I don't want you to think that just because we've covered it on a Sunday morning, we've covered all there is in these passages that we've learned all there is that, we, that there is to learn. There's still more that there is to learn. There's still more for us to think about, more that we can be encouraged by throughout our whole life. But by focusing on this passage and breaking up into little pieces, we are able to kind of dig in and get some of the, the uh, rich truth that's in here for us, this information that the Apostle Peter has been giving to these uh, believers in what is now modern-day Turkey. We learned that he was writing to these believers who lived in the Roman provinces that now make up what is today um, part of the, the modern nation of Turkey. And we also learned last week that they are experiencing great hardships on the account of their faith. And the reason that Peter is writing to them is he is wanting to encourage them, even in the midst of the hardship that they face. He wants to encourage them and build a case for their hope. He wants to remind them of their reasons to hold on to the hope that they have and rejoice even in the hardships that they face. And so last week we saw that Peter begins his writing ministry to them by reminding them of who they are. We looked at two words that Peter uses in his greeting to address them. And the words were elect exiles. Both words rooted in Old Testament identity of God's people, Israel, but now being applied to God's people, including Gentiles, God's people of all nations. These words reminded these believers that they have been chosen by God to be his people. And the reason that they feel these hardships and are experiencing this tribulation and trial is that they are exiles, They are displaced. They're not in their true home. They are actually in a time of waiting. And last week we kind of said that was truth that we need to be reminded about too. That in the hardships that we experience, even the ones that we face today, that's a truth that uh, translates to us. That we need to be reminded that if we've placed our faith in Christ, we have been chosen by God to be his people. If we've placed our faith in Christ, we need to be... Aware of the fact that the hardships we're experiencing help to remind us that this is not our home. And we need to be reminded of that often. Um, And we need to have our hope anchored by that truth. And there's still more, uh, there's more wisdom and more truth that we need to be reminded about. And, And so Peter continues in his letter to these believers in Turkey. And so it's good for us to continue in uh, this passage, this greeting that Peter gives. So let's listen to God continue to speak to us through the Apostle Peter by picking up our reading in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. What Peter is doing is he is stating very succinctly the truths that he will appeal to later on throughout his letter. And one of the ideas that he communicates in these three lines is... Another reminder of their identity. That they are, I'm going to try to put it up for us here. That they are God's cherished children with a living hope. In these three lines, he's summarizing a truth for them that he wants them to understand. That they are God's cherished children with a living hope. Now, while only some of these words are used by Peter, you know, as we see, as we read through the verses, the idea is very present in what Peter is communicating. Here in these first lines of his letter, Peter is naming realities that he will unpack uh, throughout his letter. And this idea of being a cherished child is something that we see. It's a theme that carries through the remainder of the text. And so what we're going to uh, do is we're going to handle this sentence, God's cherished children with a living hope, that kind of identity, we're going to handle those things as they appear to us in the text. And so the very first thing that we're going to see Peter emphasize is he emphasizes that they are gods, that they belong to God. And we can see that as Peter begins by praising God. He first identifies God as the father of Jesus Christ. And then what comes next is this description of God's activity on behalf of believers, on behalf of his people. And so before B- Peter begins telling them more who they are, he is describing who gave them their identity, that they are God's. Now we already kind of saw that in the greeting, but he, he fills it out even further here. God is the one who is authoring all this truth, and it's God, the Father of Jesus Christ. So Peter starts by pointing out this reason to praise god he emphasizes over and over that god is the one who acts he emphasizes that god is the father of christ he emphasizes that god is acting out of his abundant and or great mercy he emphasizes that god is safeguarding an inheritance in heaven keeping it imperishable undefiled and unfading he emphasizes that it's god who is guarding each one of the believers who will receive that inheritance, keeping them safe uh, through the gift of faith. The emphasis that Peter is making here by referencing all the activity uh, that God is doing, he is referencing this so that we get the, uh, the idea that even though you are in the midst of hardships, oh, churches up in Turkey, oh, believer through the screen with me this morning, even though we're in the midst of hardships, Even though we might feel like we're on our own, we've been chosen, we're elect, right? We're exiles, we're not quite at home. We might tend to believe that God has left us on our own to figure it out, to find our own way home. Peter doesn't want anyone to think that way. You're not alone. You're not on your own. Though you may feel vulnerable, God is at work. You are God's. He is the one securing the reason for your hope. Not only is he the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, but as Peter continues to uh, display, he is also our father as well. And so this is the second part of that statement that we see. We are children with a living hope. God's children with a living hope. This theme of being God's children shows up throughout Peter's letter in the second half of chapter 1 and the beginning of chapter 2. Something that we need to remember is that when Peter wrote his letter, he didn't put in chapters and verses, so it probably flowed a lot more in these thematic connections than we would typically, uh, might might read with these verse headings and and chapter headings. But we see, for example, in verse 14, we see Peter encourage them by addressing them and the way that they should be living as obedient children. In verse 17, he continues and he says, And if you call on him as father. And then over in chapter 2, he refers to them that they should be like newborn infants who long for pure spiritual milk, that by it they might grow into their salvation. And here in verse 3, though he never uses the language of children, the idea of being a child of God is introduced when Peter writes that believers have been born again to a living hope. Literally, the word here is re-begotten. Now, we've heard this this word begotten. If you've been in the church or grew up in the church, you probably heard it in reference to John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It's a word that conveys the idea of having children. Um, This is the same word that uh, we get the meaning from... um, It has the same meaning as the Latin word from which we get our word generate or generation. Um, There's a great song by the artist Andrew Peterson which is called Matthew's Begats where he goes through the genealogy in Matthew's Gospel and he just lists who had who, had who, had who. Um, And it's the idea of having kids, the idea of bringing new life into the world. But what Peter is saying here is that we have been (laughs) re-begotten. We have been regenerated. It's the idea of being given a new life that is replacing the old one. This is similar to the words that Jesus shares with Nicodemus in chapter 3 of uh, John, the Gospel of John, where Jesus emphasizes in order to uh, enter the kingdom of heaven, one must be born again or reborn. They must be regenerated. And so Peter writes that we have experienced a rebirth. God has caused us to be reborn to a living hope according to his great mercy. That's one thing I don't want to skip over uh, very quickly. God's great mercy. We need to remember that all people deserve God's judgment. All people deserve his wrath. But Peter highlights that for believers, God has acted in mercy. He has given us something that we don't deserve. And he has not given us something that we deserve. And so he has bestowed a new life, even when we have deserved death. The idea of being taken from your old life and being reborn into a new life is the same idea conveyed in Paul's letter uh, to the Ephesian church. When he writes in uh, Ephesians chapter 2, he says, You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, And he continues by saying, you were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Paul continues and emphasizes that this is not in your own doing. It is a gift of God. Theologian Charles Hodge wrote in his systematic theology that regeneration is the instantaneous change from spiritual death to spiritual life. Regeneration, therefore, is a spiritual resurrection, the beginning of a new life. That's the idea that Peter is capturing here. Peter's point is that we are made children not by our own will, but by God's. Just as a a dead person can't make themselves come uh, alive, Nobody can take credit for being born, and certainly believers cannot take credit for being reborn. And it's important for these believers to know that the hope that they have, this living hope that they've been reborn into, isn't something that has been generated in their own hearts or with their own affections. It's not something that comes from within them from their own power, but this hope that they have, this living hope that they've been born into, is something that comes from God's power. That is an important piece of truth that they need to know. And so Peter shares with them how this rebirth was made possible. It's made possible through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now later, using this same word, rebegotten, this same word is used Peter, uh, by Peter in verse 23, and he says, You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. So what we see in First Peter as he uses this word, but kind of a very unique word only he uses in Scripture, the resurrection of Jesus Christ was the culminating act by which God made our new life possible, right? That was the, the thing that seals the promise that new life can happen. And in verse 23, what Peter is doing is he's emphasizing that the believers, the elect exiles, God's children, have received this new life through the hearing of the word. And our hope lives because Jesus lives. The idea of being children is not only communicated through this word of of re begetting, but also as Peter reminds these believers of their inheritance. Peter uses the idea of inheritance to unpack this living hope, this new life from God that they have. In verse four, he says that you have been caused, uh, reborn to uh, a living hope, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. The idea of inheritance is another word, yet in this uh, intro, in these first lines of first Peter, that has a Uh, An Old Testament background to it. God's people in the Old Testament, Israel, they were always to have an inheritance, and it was a land. The promised land was an inheritance given from the Lord. Portions of that inheritance were given to each of the tribes, and as time went on, generation to generation, the land was to be passed down for generations. But the inheritance we need to remember, even in the Old Testament, was never just the land. It was the land where God would dwell with his people and bless them. But there was a problem as we read the Old Testament. We see this problem arise. The problem with this inheritance of land is that it did become defiled. It did fall victim to drought, to invasion from enemy armies. Ultimately, it even fell victim to the inhabitants themselves, God's people, the pervasiveness of their sin tore the land apart and brought brokenness and calamity among God's people. God's glory ended up departing from the temple. As scripture reveals, as we continue reading, it's because there is a greater inheritance that that land always pointed to, one that was promised. And that greater inheritance is not focused on an, an actual parcel of land, but it is focused on a place where God will dwell with his people a place that is untouched by hardness, hardships and, and brokenness in this world. This is what the author of Hebrews is trying to communicate in his letter, a very similar tone to 1 Peter, as he's trying to encourage folks who are in the midst of hardship, of the hope that they have and the promised uh, rest that is um, something that all believers look forward to. The author of Hebrews wrote in uh, chapter 11, verses 39 through 40, "...and all these..." though commended through their faith. Now, who are all these? The list of folks who are in the famous Hall of Faith. All these Old Testament saints who had placed their faith in the promise. After listing them all out, the author of Hebrews says, and all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us. It's because the inheritance is waiting for the right That's what Peter says. It will be revealed in the last days. It's waiting for the right time when all God's children will be able to have share in it. That inheritance until that time, Peter tells us, is being kept safe. Now let's remember who he's writing this letter to. Elect exiles. God's people who are experiencing great hardship on account of their faith. These are people who are losing their livelihoods, They're losing their homes, they're losing possibly their inheritances, being disowned by family and community. They are feeling the real loss of these things. If we think about this time where we find ourselves, we spend so much time in our everyday lives trying to keep the things that we have safe, trying to keep the possessions preserved, trying to even keep our own bodies preserved to keep them from being ruined and spoiled, or from falling apart or, or wasting away. And what the hardships teach us is that we, we can't. We live in a place and a time where moth and, and rust destroy, when disease can wipe out our health and our bank account and our economies. No matter how safe we try to keep things, we just can't do it perfectly, and we can't do it forever. But unlike our possessions and the hopes here on earth, the inheritance that God has promised, our living hope, a life spent with God, with Christ, untouched, imperishable, undefiled and unfading, is kept safe for us in heaven. It's kept safe until all God's children can take part in it at the right time. Once again, we see that it's God at work. As God's children, he is protecting our inheritance for us. Not only are we his children with a living hope, but we are also cherished. John Calvin wrote in his uh, commentary on this passage some lines that I just thought were really helpful. He writes these rhetorical questions that are just great for reflection. He says, what good is it that our salvation is laid up in heaven when we are tossed here and there in this world as in a turbulent sea? What good is it that our salvation is secured in a quiet harbor when we are driven to and fro amidst a thousand shipwrecks? Calvin continues writing, Peter does not leave us in suspense. For he testifies that we stand by the power of God, lest any doubts from an awareness of our own weakness arise and disquiet our hearts. No matter how weak our hearts might be, Peter wants us to know, he wanted the believers in this time to know, that their salvation, their inheritance, their living hope is certain. Not only is the inheritance kept safe, but God's people. Are kept safe. They are guarded through God's power by faith. I chose this word cherished because the definition of something and cherishing something is to love something or someone very much and to want to protect it. So you can get this from the, what Peter is saying. The emphasis that Peter is making here is not only is our inheritance being kept safe, but we are being kept safe for our inheritance. Peter writes, For you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith. And like Peter's done all along in this introduction of this letter, he's emphasizing once again, God is the one who is at work. The hope that we have in our inheritance is sustained through God's power at work in us through faith. And as believers, again, these are words that we need to hear. You know, when people are going through a hard time, when someone loses a job or they fail at something or they make a bad choice, they fall victim to circumstances outside their control or when they lose a loved one, oftentimes our response is that we want to provide them with hope. And I don't know about you, but sometimes it can feel a little awkward, a little difficult to know what is the thing that I should be saying right now to them. I think we want to be sensitive to people. We don't want to just start reminding them of truth and trying to give them encouragement like we're just trying to fix a problem or like we're just trying to assure them that you know, everything is going to be okay. You know, this really isn't as bad as it seems. We don't want to appear trite or insensitive. I think our heart is deep down we want to encourage them. We want to remind them of truth. What can we say to encourage folks? I think our hope when we speak to people who are in circumstances, and this is kind of the hope of this sermon series, is that the words that we speak, the words that we read in Scripture, are there to help anchor us in the storms that we are facing so that it doesn't bring about more destruction and hardship in our life. The surge of grief and worry and anxiety, I think, can be very disorienting for people. It can make them feel unsettled about the life that they are experiencing now and also what life will be like in the future. You know, Pastorally, whenever we are in the midst of walking with a family through a funeral, you know, the goal isn't to help people stop grieving, but to help them grieve differently to help them grieve rightly. The Apostle Paul wrote to the believers in Thessalonica informing them of the truth and the the doctrine of what God has promised to do for those who have fallen asleep, for those believers who have passed before the Lord has come back in his glory. And he says, I'm sharing these things so that you might not grieve as others do who have no hope. But we don't want to be, as the Proverbs say, like one who takes a a garment away on a cold day or like vinegar poured on soda. We don't want to be like one who sings songs to a heavy heart just trying to cheer people up. When I read that quote by Calvin about the promise of salvation even while we're in the midst of a turbulent sea, I was reminded of the story of a hymn that actually was played in the interlude uh, or the, the prelude music that Dale provided for us this morning. Many of you might be familiar with the story behind the hymn, It Is Well. It's written by a man named Horatio Spafford. And uh, I want to just read for you uh, history, a little story about, <clears throat> about that hymn. So I think it is a great illustration of what it means to have hope amidst the hardships. This, home, uh, this hymn was written after traumatic events in Spafford's life. The first two were the death of his four-year-old son, and the Great Chicago Fire of 1871, which ruined him financially. He had been a successful lawyer and had invested significantly in property in the area of Chicago that was extensively damaged by the Great Fire. So his business interests were hit by the fire and he had already experienced the grief of losing a young child. He was further hit by the economic downturn of 1873, at which time he planned to travel to Europe with his family, his wife and four girls. In a late change of plans, he was attending some business pertaining to the zoning of the property that had been destroyed in the fire. He sent his wife and four girls on ahead across the sea. While they were crossing the Atlantic Ocean, the ship sank rapidly after it collided, uh, had a collision with another sea vessel. And all four of Spafford's daughters died. His wife, Anna, survived and sent him a now famous telegram which just said, Saved Alone. Shortly afterwards, Spafford traveled to try to meet his grieving wife. And he was inspired to write the words of it as well as his ship passed near where his daughters had died in these waters around so many shipwrecks. And so he wrote these words, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to know, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control, that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. The hymn goes on, and he reflects on that glory, that heavenly home, that inheritance that he longs to see amidst the hardship that he faces, that reminds him he is not home yet. He wrote, And Lord, haste the day when the faith shall be sight." The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O oh my soul. Songs like this one, passages like this letter in First Peter, they're not singing songs to a broken heart. They're healing broken hearts by reminding them of the balm of truth. They're helping God's children know that they are cherished, that they are being protected and guarded, even though hardship surrounds them. They do not live with a dead hope, but their hope is alive, is alive and well, living and protected, kept safe in heaven, away from all the hardships, undefiled, preserved for them, and they are being preserved through God's power. If you are experiencing hardship this morning, and you hear these words of this sermon and it sounds like we're just trying to say, oh, don't worry, it'll be okay. We're just trying to make you feel better. Don't hear that sermon this way. We're not just trying to fix what you're going through. Understand that as we hear and read God's word written through the apostle Peter, that this is an encouragement to help anchor you and preserve you in the midst of the storms that you are in. Know this, blessed is God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one who is working, the one who is at work, keeping safe the inheritance for all his children, that he cherishes and guards. They are precious to him, and he wants us to know that. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this encouragement from your word. Oh, how our souls need it. We thank you for how it reminds us that the promise that we hold on to is not one that comes from within our own hearts. It's not a hope that is invented in our own minds, but it is one that we have received through the work of the Holy Spirit. As it has been preached through generations, we have been reborn to a living hope, one that is kept safe, and that you guard us through faith for that promise. And though our faith may be very weak even now, oh, Father, you remind us, you keep it. You keep it and you guard us through it until it is to be revealed in that day and shared among all your children. Help us, Lord, to remember who we are. We are elect exiles but not left alone. Father, that we are your cherished children with a living hope. We thank you for this good news. In Christ's name,
3: amen.
1: Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, come this morning in prayer come in prayer through the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, our brother, and our King. We bring only our needs and we bring them boldly to your throne, for there's nothing else, Lord, we can bring. Father, teach us to live in the shelter of you, the Most High God. There are no others. There's nowhere else where we may find peace, rest, purpose, the truest love, mercy, and life. Father, for those today who have no hope, we ask you to breathe afresh on their souls, shower them in the light of your hope, dispel the darkness around their beliefs, shine your hope-giving light into their situation. Father, in the midst of these days, days where many are unemployed, ill, worried, fearful, depressed, anxious, and lonely, Father, be our refuge, be our fortress, be our rock in whom we place all of our trust. We cannot trust our doubts. We cannot rest in restlessness. We'll never find peace in worry or fear. Cover us, great God, under the loving wings of your faithfulness, and be our shield in our storms and battles in life. Father, I lift up to you the medical professionals in our congregation, as well as all those laboring these weeks. We specially pray for those in our congregation who have requested prayer in the medical profession, Lord, Father, over the next weeks, guide the work of their hands, doctors, nurses, administration staff, technicians, facility staff. Bless their labors to provide great assistance in the work of healing they seek so desperately to offer. We ask, O oh God, we ask that you will heal protect these, these medical workers, we pray. Father, we ask your blessing on those among us who work, who need work, who own businesses, who work in the banking industry, who are in college, who are in elementary school, middle school, high school. These are the generations of our time. Father, enable us, this particular local church, to disciple and prepare your people to be light in our contexts our home, neighborhood, job, grocery store, our Zoom meetings, in all areas of influence, O God, that you have ordained. We ask wisdom, God, for all of our leaders in all levels of our government and our state and our world. Father, we need wisdom. We need patience. We need gracious hearts. We need the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We need to abide in you, O oh Lord, our Lord. Be our dwelling place this week. Be our refuge. Be our fortress. Be our strength. This we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Brother, and our King. Amen and amen. Thank you. It says in the
0: scriptures that we are to sing a new song to the Lord, and we figured this is a, as good as time as any on the Lord's Day to introduce a new song to you. You may be already familiar with it. You may have heard it on the radio or had someone share it with you on the circumstance of life that you were going through. It's a song that celebrates the living hope that we have, and we hope you are blessed by it this morning.
3: shadows of my soul the work is finished the end is written Jesus Christ my living hope who could imagine so great a mercy what heart could find
0: god the father and the fellowship of his holy spirit remind us who we are we are god's cherished children with a living hope amen and amen may the lord bless you
3: amen.